Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week six has arrived and bye week hell has caused some of us to have to dig really deep for some interesting sit and start discussions for this week in the midst of another incredible slate of games. As always, we'll be touching on some of those big time matchups and what we are looking for in them, followed by, of course, another round of your fan submitted start and sit scenarios for this weekend. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the all-time drop down for Franklin! A majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in, everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work we are doing here, head on over to campuscanton.com and subscribe there with one of our amazing Tiers, you'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, and C2C betting needs as well, including articles, rankings, projections, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty, and the handsome man across from me is Mr. Justin, aka at Volume Pigs on Twitter as well. Speaking of Justin, Justin, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, hey man, uh, doing good, doing good. Things are going well so far in my leagues, so happy about that. It was another great weekend of college football last week, as usual. Uh, and again, as usual, looking forward to this week, even though I might not be available to watch as many games. Uh, I'm sure it'll still be a great weekend of college football. So That's right, you're doing this uh, crazy thing called the vacation in the mm-hmm. middle of football season too. Like, what, 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 What's going crazy, through your mind, yeah, man? It wasn't necessarily my idea. I tried to talk my way out of it, but then a little voice in the back of my head said, you know, it's time probably to take a break from college football, at least for a couple of days, and uh, couldn't be avoided. So here we are. Now, that's absolutely fair enough. Again, you're doing well in all of your fantasy leagues. Let me ask you, Justin, do you, like, if you're doing really well in some of your leagues, do you kind of almost avoid talking about it because you're afraid you're going to jinx yourself? (laughs) Because like that's how I am. I'm so afraid. Because I, I look at some of the leagues I'm in. I'm doing really, really well in them. And I'm super proud of it. But I'm also sitting there like, this could fall apart at any moment. Sometimes I swear. Well, part of it too, I think, is also you don't want to like gloat about it too much. Also, like I, I, I've been doing these like weekly Twitter updates on the progress in my leagues, uh, and I won every game that I was in this past weekend. I didn't do any update this week because I was just like. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just didn't want to give that update. It's it's easier when you're like losing games and you're like, yes, there's things to you I need to improve on, etc. And there's stuff to talk. If about. You're just winning. Yeah, if you're just winning, you're just like you just kind of feel like you're rubbing it in people's faces. I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna give an update this week. 
So whatever Justin doesn't put out an update, everyone, just know that he is <laughs> humble bragging to each and every one of you. It's not. <laughs> there's a reason behind it. It's not just because he's like, ah, forget about it. Then nobody's <laughs> responding to those tweets anyway. Um, again, we got another great show for you guys today. We're going to cover some of these games this upcoming weekend. We got a ton of high-scoring matchups this week to the point where I was actually super busy today at my work. And I had to throw them out to Justin and be like, hey, because usually it's pretty easy to kind of narrow down to five games we could talk about. I threw like, God, Justin, what was it like 10, 12 games at you and everything? I was just like, like, hey, I'm like, like, please narrow narrow this list (laughs) down. So if you don't like the games uh, that we're talking about today, uh, you can go and DM Justin and complain to him because I don't want to hear it. Anyway, no, I'm totally joking. We got some great games to talk about there. And then, of course, we got some really interesting start and sit discussions for you guys. Some of y'all having to dig a little bit deeper in your leagues because, you know, bye week hell's here. Again, week five kind of gave us the first taste of it. Week six, if I remember correctly, is actually the worst amongst all of the weeks this year. It has the most teams on by. A lot of us are definitely kind of scrambling to plug some holes in our roster. I think the next worst one is week nine, so we're definitely going to have another pretty interesting week of sit-start discussions here in a couple of weeks. But again, week seven, week eight, they're pretty bad in their own right right there. So we'll get all to that here in just a second. For now, I say we go ahead and move on to some of these game discussions, and we'll go ahead and throw on a little ticker tape down there at the bottom. And we'll discuss our very first one here, which is probably, I would say, the most anticipated matchup of the weekend, I would say. Again, the 12 p.m. game on ABC, the Red River Shootout. I will refer to it as nothing but that. Got Oklahoma versus Texas in Arlington. Not Arlington. Um, regardless, is it Arlington? I don't know. I'm being dumb. Anyway, I think it is Arlington, actually. Yeah, yeah it is Arlington. Sure it is. For some reason, my brain was just like, no, not Arlington. Because you know what? It's like uh, Arkansas and uh, Texas A&M play in Arlington too, right? So that's, yeah, that, yeah that, they literally my, just played last weekend too. Yeah, I was like, so my brain was like, oh no, they don't both play in Arlington. No, apparently they do. Anyway, um, Oklahoma, Texas. In my opinion, this should be a top 10 matchup. Like Oklahoma's only ranked 12th in the AP poll, and I typically don't care that much about polling and stuff like that. But like, Look at what Oklahoma's done so far this year. I think they've played well enough in every single one of their games that pretty much warrant a top 10 ranking at this point. They are playing like a potential playoff team down the line. Like, yeah, you can look at me and go, oh, who have they played, Jared? Who have they played? They haven't played nobody. Guess what? There's a lot of teams like that still out there that are still in the top 10. And like, quite frankly, Oklahoma, as, as far as I can really tell, has not struggled so far this year in any of their games like maybe you can point at cincinnati but like cincinnati i think has a better defense than most people are kind of giving them credit for yeah so and and you watch that game there was never a doubt that oklahoma was going to win that game so quite frankly that's better than a lot of the teams in the top 10 right now including my own dogs right now so like this should be a top 10 matchup anyway i'm talking too much about just regular college football let's talk about fantasy here Justin, you put this game on the docket here. What are you interested in either learning about in this game or are you looking for in this game? What's going on? Well, yeah, yeah. and as Jared said, I, I take full accountability for the selection of games this week. So feel free to, to send me hate mail after if you don't like the games. I don't know. When, when you sent me the selection, I just felt like this one had to be included. because the biggest game of the weekend so i was like i don't know in, in terms of cff if i have that many questions i mean on the texas side you know jonathan brooks is really the guy now uh really really 
sort of pleased with what I've seen from him. Uh, if you're a shareholder of his, you know, you got to be happy. He's, he's seeing consistent volume. He's a really solid producer. I don't really think there's any question there. Uh, wide receiver, you know, they just have a lot of different options, and we're going to talk about some of them later on. Uh, you know, I guess the question would be which of A.D. Mitchell or Worthy, you know, really explodes. this. I, I assume one will. I'm expecting lots of points on both ends. Uh, you know, we hope it's not like last year where it's just a complete beatdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. You know, I think Oklahoma's probably a little better than maybe they're ranked right now. Probably some of that's just residual from last year. Uh, they didn't look so great. Uh, but yeah, I expect this game to be a lot more competitive than it was last season. Uh, and I, well, we hope so as CFF managers, uh, on the Oklahoma side, you know, uh, I actually picked up a share of Andrell Anthony, their wide receiver in one of my leagues last week. And he had this kind of a dud, he, you know, he, he didn't really perform, uh, too productively, but up until then, sort of the two or three weeks leading up to that, he'd been pretty good. He'd been scoring touchdowns, uh, getting to hundred yards. So I'd like to see if he's kind of bouncing back. Because uh, I kind of was thinking maybe he's taken over as the alpha wide receiver there, uh, but I'm still kind of conflicted. Is it maybe more of just a situation where they're spreading love around? Might be a different guy every other week kind of deal. So on the Oklahoma side, I think you know we're still waiting to see is there one alpha wide receiver who will just capitalize and sort of consistently uh, dominate for them. And then the running back situation. I don't know if anybody really knows what to make of the Oklahoma running back. They're just sort of doing their own thing on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I wouldn't want to be holding shares of any of their running backs, really, just because there's so much uncertainty. It's it's really, there isn't anybody there that really stands out. Uh, and honestly, like this weekend, it could be, you know, one individual that sees 20 carries. It could be three that see five or 10 carries. We, we really don't know, right? But exactly. I felt like at this one, this game had to be included. It's such a big game. Uh, I love this game. I love that they played at 12 o'clock as well, get it out, out of the way early in the day, so... No, it's a perfect way to kick off uh, Saturday. I, I, like, I think pretty much everybody's eyes are going to be glued to this game unless you're just a straight fan of the other teams that are playing in the noon slate there. In terms of wide receivers for Oklahoma, I agree with you that Oklahoma still for CFF is like the unanswered question. It feels like with Jeff Lebby that there should be a wide receiver kind of breaking out there. But again, between Farouk, between Anthony, between Stoops, they're all relatively even. Actually, out of the three, Stoops has the most targets at 30 followed by Andrew Anthony at 27 and Farouk at 26. Obviously, Anthony has like that big play. or bo- Actually, both him and Farouk have had the big play yeah. ability. It's just that Andrew Anthony's been able to actually reel in more of his um, deep balls. But he actually has the least amount of touchdowns out of the out of the top three. And then freaking Nick Anderson's just down there with the ultimate deep threat, averaging almost 28 yards per catch and five touchdowns. So he's just absolutely... He, he's somebody that... Again, I kind of blew him off when he first kind of broke onto the scene earlier this year as like, you know, a true freshman. I'm like, okay, he's going to fade back a little bit. They're keeping him out there. He's clearly playing well for them. So maybe he becomes the guy just slowly but surely. I don't know. But um, again, I think I agree with you. Texas, pretty much everything's answered there for the most part. Um, Yeah, I say we go ahead and move on to our next matchup here. Let's go and talk about some Pac-12 action, some Paction here in a... Three o'clock slate? What is this? Anyway, Washington State, Yahoo Cougar football going up. No, not up, down to UCLA. For some reason, like, I don't know why in my head sometimes, like, all the Pac 12 teams are, like, on the same latitude, even though I clearly know it's the entire West Coast. But, like, they're, for some reason, my head just kind of puts them all in the same spot sometimes. Anyway, 
Washington State versus UCLA. We are looking at an over-under of 59 here. UCLA favored by 3.5 points. So, you're again, Vegas is expecting both of these teams to probably score at least four touchdowns here in this matchup. So, Justin, once again, you picked this game out of all the games we could pick this weekend. What intrigues <laughs> you so much about this? Yeah, for this one, it's, I actually don't really have any questions on the UCLA side. It's more so the Wazoo side. Uh, if Josh Kelly, the wide receiver, sort of continues to ascend in Lincoln Victor's absence, uh, Victor obviously injured a couple of weeks ago. They were on bye, I think, last weekend, uh, and he's still expected to miss, you know, a couple of weeks. So, you know, Josh Kelly uh, kind of exploded last weekend when Victor went down. Victor went down, I believe, in like the first quarter. Kelly ended up with like 12 targets in that game, went over 100 yards. He had a really good output. Uh, and he had actually had pretty good numbers already, like leading up to that game. So, he, you know, he's he's been pretty solid. Uh, but now, you know, he might be a much more sort of valuable commodity to have while Victor's out. Uh, or that might have just been sort of a one-off in that game last weekend. So I, I'd like to see sort of does that continue this weekend. Uh, I did manage to pick Kelly up off of waivers in one of my leagues. So for just selfish purposes, I'm going to be – uh, at least checking the score and, and keeping tabs on what's going on there. Um, and if it's not Kelly, I know they have another one, Kyle Williams, another receiver who's been solidly productive. Uh, you know, if if Kelly isn't necessarily the guy stepping up, perhaps Kyle uh, might also see an uptick in targets. So I, I really want to just see what happens uh, with that wide receiver room. I'm going to throw another name out. Carlos Hernandez, true freshman wide receiver there. Pretty much was already in four wide receiver sets along with Lincoln Victor, especially after DT Sheffield left the team there. Quickly rose into the um, first team wide receivers there. He is now the slot receiver in Ben Arbuckle's system, the uh, Zach Kitley system as well. That slot receiver has seen a ton of targets. And even this past week, yeah, Hernandez never saw a touchdown or anything like that. He still saw eight targets. So they clearly are ready to start kind of giving him a pretty good load. Obviously, Kelly, probably the more experienced guy. He's going to be involved every single week. He's going to be the deep shot guy for Cameron Ward. They seem to have a really good connection. So I agree with you that Kelly's probably the more valuable guy right now. But if you're playing system, which I like to do quite a bit, I actually have my eye more on Carlos Hernandez than I do Kyle Williams. And again, being a little selfish, kind of like you were saying just now, like I have Carlos Hernandez on a ton of my dynasty rosters right now. It would be great to see him really become super productive here in year one and potentially be just an absolute dominant force down the line. But unfortunately he hasn't got any touchdowns this year versus, you know, Victor's got three, Kelly's got five, Williams has four. So hopefully Ward can look Hernandez's way at some point this, at some point these upcoming games, UCLA side of things. Is it me or is this offense just really not been as, great as we've been wanting it to be again i think part part of that is you know they are starting dante Moore at quarterback he is a true freshman and as talented as he is that does kind of limit what you can do typically with your offense i think if i remember correctly they're dealing with some offensive line issues um where they have a lot they don't have a lot returning from last year so they're still, gonna, still trying to build that up i don't think either tj harden or carson Steele are either one of them are even close to what zach charbonnet was for this program last year. Again, maybe they will be in a year or two. I mean, Carson Steele's kind of running out of time, but maybe TJ Harden is really that dude next year. And then just out of the wide receivers, for the most part, nobody's really kind of stepped up there either. I mean, J. Michael Sturdivant 
is the leading guy with 21 targets through six games or five games, excuse me, through five games. But again, you, you average that out. That's a little over four targets per game. So it's not like anybody's become Dante Moore's clear favorite here. Do you think that this is potentially where things start to kind of click? Again, it's Washington State. They've allowed some points in the past, but they've also clamped down on some defenses here. Again, Vegas clearly thinks that UCLA is going to score some points this weekend. Where would you kind of place your bets, Justin, on who would score for UCLA this weekend? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the the points have to come from somewhere, assuming Vegas gets this one right. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't put it past both running backs to score in this one. Uh, Again, they're splitting carries. So, you know, each might see 10 plus carries, 60 or 70 yards in the score. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the the CFF darling or preseason CFF darling there, uh, Sturdivant at wide receiver. You know, if, if they're throwing touchdown passes, uh, you know, <laughs> I assume maybe he'd be involved. Maybe Dante Moore rushes one in. Uh, but honestly, yeah, I, I actually can say I, I don't really have much idea of, like, who would be scoring. There isn't really, like, anybody like who consistently is scoring for them, right? And you mentioned at the top, like, their offense hasn't really been sort of living up to what we – wanted in the preseason what we've seen sort of in previous years they don't really have a guy at running back who's consistently getting touches and dominating that backfield there isn't a guy at wide receiver who's consistently getting you know sort of the key targets and touchdowns so there's just sort of a bad team for cff at least they have been so far yeah maybe this is sort of the catalyst that turns things around i mean yeah i don't know it would be one game right i wouldn't i wouldn't really uh, sure bite, bite too hard on any player who pops off in this game but uh, yeah, it should be an interesting and entertaining game at the very least, and hopefully it is high-scoring. Speaking of high-scoring matchups, let's move on to our next one. This will be the highest-scoring matchup that we'll be talking about today because it's always great, not only when you have a high total of 68, but the line is set at negative 3.5 towards only one team. So both of these teams are expected to put up a ton of points here. South Florida going to UAB, like I said, over-under of 68 South Florida favored by three and a half. This is the 4 p.m. game on ESPN2. This is a matchup made in heaven for CFF folks. Like, like I said, both Vegas is expecting both of these teams to probably score around five touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes even higher than that. So, Justin, outside of just the high-scoring nature of this game, what do you have your eye on here? What do you think we can learn from this matchup? Yeah, well, the USF wide receiver room is, I would sort of compare it to the Oklahoma wide receiver room in that they've got a bunch of guys who have been solid, who've had good games, uh, but there isn't really one necessarily who's dominated, and maybe that'll be the case all season, uh, but they are sort of a must-watch for the time being, uh, just to keep tabs on those wide receivers, and if somebody breaks away or starts to put together a pattern of high usage, it hasn't been that way so far, it's kind of been each week. Uh, somebody dominates and then the next week somebody else uh, they've basically got like at least two maybe three receivers there who are like always sort of solidly productive uh, so I am kind of watching you know just that wide receiver room pretty pretty hawkishly even the UAB side like Jacob Zeno and that passing attack has been very good and they just had a wide receiver their freshman Iverson Hooks I believe his name is he's out for the season now I yes, believe sir. Uh, so, you know, that's another wide receiver room where I'd want to be keeping tabs on just to sort of see the trends, patterns. Is there somebody, uh, or maybe, or maybe two names that are sort of guys to keep an eye on, uh, that running back room too has been strange. Um, you sort of had the preseason favorite 
Jermaine Brown Jr. Uh, he hasn't really been the bell cow, the uncontested volume pick that people were hoping. In fact, you know, the other guy actually outcarried them pretty, um, pretty drastically, I believe, last weekend. So, you know, that backfield is, is quite a split. Uh, I don't know if I'll, we'll learn that much from this weekend, but it is sort of just one to keep tabs on. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll need, oh, go ahead, Jared. I was going to say, the other weird thing about the running back room for UAB is that both of them have seen 18-plus targets so far this year. So, like, they're consistently being involved in the passing game every single game. So, like you said, maybe the volume's not coming on just handoffs and everything, but mm-hmm. it's coming through the air sometimes. And But, like you said, unfortunately, it kind of goes up and down for the two of them. Whoever kind of has the hot hand typically goes there, and hot hand is literally one of the worst things we like to hear. Yeah in cff so unfortunately as much as i like jermaine brown before the season i had to move away in terms of like how this wide receiver room settling dude amari thomas is somebody i talked about earlier this week as a waiver wire pickup he's had 23 targets over the last two weeks he is a true freshman uh just like iverson hooks but iverson hooks you know only had 11 targets by the time he went down amari thomas is at 28 now over the last two weeks, he has just absolutely come onto the scene and it really started in the game against Georgia. Again, Georgia, their defense not as great as it has as it has been, but the fact that, you know, the coaching staff was able to see that he was able to go up against a defense that, quite frankly, just out-talents UAB up and down the roster, and he was still able to be productive. He had 13 targets, I think nine catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Really kind of showed that staff, like, hey, this is a dude we can rely on going forward and we saw that again this past week against um oh my goodness who did they play this past week uh Tulane, Tulane? This, yeah, yeah. This, this past week against Tulane where he had another third or he had another I think it was 10 targets and like nine receptions for 99 yards I can't remember the stat off the top of my head I probably got that wrong but so it was, it was 10 plus targets so clearly they're planning on using him moving forward I think this weekend going up against USF, he uh, USF has a t- has a bottom I think 15 passing defense in the country. I think he's in for a big weekend this weekend. He probably solidifies himself as Jacob Zeno's top target moving forward. And if you just watch his film, he just looks better than pretty much any other receiver they have on that team so far. Maybe outside of uh, Tejuan Palmer, who is more really experienced than talented. So. I would definitely be listening for the name Amari Thomas on your broadcast if you watch this game. And then you kind of mentioned the USF wide receiver room and how, again, you're right. There is quite a bit of, you know, things kind of being spread around for the most part. But I do think we are kind of starting to see Sean Atkins and Naeem Simmons kind of separate as the top two guys. Again, Atkins leads the target share 37%. You got Simmons, who has the highest production of the two because he's kind of more the deep outside threat for them. If you're looking for kind of a guy that could provide you some consistent volume for the most part, again, this past week, five targets was the lowest he had this season. Before that point, he, I think he had eight plus targets in every game. I think he, if you're looking for somebody who's just safe, consistent, Atkins is probably a guy. If you're looking for a home run guy who can probably hit an 80 yard bomb at any point during the game, Naeem Simmons might be a guy you want to look at off of waivers this week because they're both pretty widely available. So. And yeah, I think that's pretty much all thoughts I had on this game. Ready to move on to the next one, Justin? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go back to the pack. 
And let's go talk about Colorado at Arizona State here. This is a 630 game on the Pac-12 network. This is over under of 60.5. And Colorado favored by four points this game. You would think a team as bad as Arizona would not be only a four-point underdog to the amazing uh, Deion Sanders. But here we are, Justin. Um, What are you looking at here? Again, I think everybody pretty much knows the deal with Colorado. Again, Shador Sanders looks great in the Sean Lewis system. Uh, Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weaver look good. You got some supplemental guys coming in with Travis Hunter being out, like the tight end wide receiver hybrid Michael Harrison. You got uh, Amarian Miller, the true freshman, who popped up last week. What about Arizona State? Is there anything that we... This is not a team I don't think a lot of us have really talked about throughout this offseason. Is there anything we can really learn from them here? Um, Their quarterback situation has kind of been in flux. They started off with Jaden Rashad, the freshman. They've kind of moved on now to Drew Pine. He's been okay. Uh, real quick, you mentioned that it's uh, Colorado is favored by four in this game. Is this in Arizona? This is in Arizona. It's in the desert. Yeah, strange things happen in the desert. Uh, and it's a, that's where it, it is expected to be a hundred degrees when this game kicks okay. off. So that yeah, that might level the playing field even more. But I I know in the desert, strange things happen in the Pac-12. That's where uh, Pac-12 championship dreams go to go to die. Generally, uh, a lot of upsets have happened there in recent years. So For sure. uh, I would expect this game would be kind of a sneaky sneaky matchup. And we we saw Arizona State score quite a bit against USC. Uh, and that was, you know, a lot of that was coming from the catalyst uh, running back Cameron Scadaboo. Uh, yep. You know, he they use him in a lot of ways. Uh, he, you know, he rushes, he receives, they even get him passing uh, occasionally. Uh, so I'd expect he'll be really involved. And if you have him and you're contemplating starting him, he, this seems like a you know a fantastic matchup for Scadaboo in particular. They've got some good wide receivers, too, even though they're running uh, their quarterback is, you know, a little bit in flux. Uh, Elijah Badger has been pretty solid. Uh, so far, uh, they also had, I uh, can't remember his name. It starts with an X, Xavier Tillery or Xavier? Xavier Guillory. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, he was, uh, he had a good game week one. Uh, I haven't really followed his production as closely since. I know he hasn't been as productive since that first game, uh, but they've got a couple of guys. Uh, I think Elijah Badger is kind of their wide receiver one, uh, and he's been decent. So, you know, if you had him, he's an, he's another one where this is probably a good matchup for him. As Colorado's defense is, re- is really not good. Uh, and, you know, it's sort of the perfect storm. You expect Colorado to keep scoring, uh, but you expect them to also keep getting scored on. Uh, so this is a good recipe for CFF success, I'd say. Yeah, and if you go back to last week, again, you kind of mentioned the quarterback situation being in flux. Uh, Trenton Borgay, uh came back last week. Again, Drew Pine, I think, got injured against USC. So once again, they had to go to another quarterback. But um, Borgo forget i don't know anyway um i don't know how to pronounce his name either <laughs> i'm gonna say borgo so borgo passed for 344 yards last week so clearly like again he's not horrendous this isn't like a um bevel situation in oklahoma last week where they're down to the third string quarterback and it's literally just not a quarterback okay they can't play him as a quarterback basically no borgo has plenty of experience last week against california in a loss he was still able to kind of keep up and pass for a ton of yardage there wouldn't shock me if a very similar thing happens here. And like you said, that should benefit the receivers quite a bit. And Scadabo, who is actually led, who actually led the team in receiving last week against California. I think he'll be in for another big week there. 
um this should be this should be a pretty fun one this would be a this would be definitely be a fun oh, yeah. one around dinner time uh i'll probably definitely have this one on because again as much as we like to clown around the hype that surrounded colorado they are a very fun team to watch and pretty much any team that is facing them is also going to be able to score for the most part unless you're nebraska and you refuse to acknowledge that jeff sims is not a quarterback anymore so let's go and hit one more game here and let's talk about Colorado State versus Utah State, uh, two of my favorite state colleges over on the West Coast because, man, I love both of these offenses. I love the players that play in them. And this is a scenario where it is quite literally start everyone. I would start pretty much anybody you're thinking about starting in this game outside of running backs. If you have a receiving option on either one of these teams, I would consider putting them in. Over under 64 in this game, Colorado State favored by a point and a half. So Vegas, once again, expecting both these teams to put up plenty of points in this matchup. Both of these teams have struggled against the pass in their defenses. It is a perfect matchup for tons of production, tons of yardage, tons of points here. Is there anybody really, again, is there really much more to be said here? Justin, any other angles you might take on this matchup? Because I, I say literally just start everyone if you can. Yeah, I pretty much agree with your assessment, especially, yeah, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. Uh, even the tight Do you end know who the quarterback is for Utah State, that is? That's true, yeah. Maybe not Utah State's QB, but certainly uh, Nicolosi on CSU's side. Uh, Dallin Holker, of course, he's tight end one so far. Uh, obviously, the wide receivers. I think on the Utah State side, I was a little bit miffed last weekend to see Terrell Vaughn's output be, I believe it was nothing or close to nothing. Uh, they completely bracketed him. They had like two, yeah. two or three guys on him at any given time. It literally like, and I, again, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm not a football coach for a reason, but like, even if your guy is getting bracketed and you're down that, like, cause they went down pretty early to UConn. Yeah. You still gotta, like, I think, Terrell Vaughn ended the day with zero targets. And I get it because yeah. he's getting bracketed, but like you got to try to throw to him at some point. He's your best player on offense. Like you can't just give up on that. Yeah. Like, no, thank I, God I for Jalen Royals, I guess. Yeah. yeah well, I was just going to say, and, and I agree with your assessment, and, and I heard the same thing. I assumed as much. Either he didn't play or he was just completely, you know, double bracketed. Uh, and then obviously, yeah, that kind of cleared the way for Royals to sort of ascend in that game. He was kind of a hot pick off of uh, waivers this week. I know, I think you might have featured them also. I did. Um, yeah, so in terms of Utah State's wide receiver room, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I still believe Terrell Vaughn's sort of their main go-to guy if they can, uh, but I'd be kind of, you know, looking at some of those other receivers too and sort of looking at, is this going to be maybe more of a pattern or a theme where teams kind of choose, uh, choose you know their poison there and maybe try to take Vaughn out of the game how effectively can teams start to do that because if teams like CSU can kind of bracket Terrell Vaughn out of the game it could be you know a bit of a damper I don't expect that to be the case but uh, yeah you, I, you I never think, know I think if Colorado State even tried they still wouldn't be able to do it again they rank dead last in the country in passing defense Granted, they face some really good passing games in teams like Washington State and, you know, yeah. Colorado. So, like, it's a little skewed there. But regardless, like, they couldn't stop those teams. Utah State, when they get consistent quarterback play, is a pretty solid passing team as well. So, I, I'm i not worried about Vaughn or Royals really this week. And I think both of them could end up eating this week. Because Royals, even, even before this last week, I mentioned this on the show earlier this week. Royals is kind of like... um 
oh my god who did we talk about earlier um good lord who was it oh there's another receiver there. oh uh, josh kelly yeah. um kind of like josh kelly like yeah we didn't really see them like we didn't really like notice notice them until their huge breakout game but like before that point royals had like seven to 12 targets in diff- in the two games before so clearly like he was somebody that you know utah state had already game plan to get involved uconn just made the bet that okay if we take away vaughn they literally have nobody else and royals proved them wrong on that so i think that should help vaughn moving forward to where teams know for a fact like okay we can't just focus in on one guy otherwise royals is going to destroy us so yeah yeah no i, I would agree with that I, ex- I would expect a huge bounce back game uh in this one for vaughn uh it's you know it's really it's a great game script for for both wide receivers on both teams uh you know obviously the the over under is set pretty high for a reason so should be a good game absolutely all righty let's move on to the second segment the one that a lot of people are waiting for let's go and talk about our sit and starts for this week and once again, thank you guys all for entering in your sit and start questions. Once again, you guys made this week very difficult to narrow it down to just two per position. I would honestly try to fit more onto these shows if I just had more time to make the graphics for them. That's honestly, that's probably the thing that um, limits how many we can do for these. Um, but even so, we got some great ones here. As I kind of mentioned, because of the nature of this week we are definitely looking at a lot of very interesting questions here so we will definitely get involved here with the first one here that comes from nash this is a six point passing touchdown league he is asking us to start two amongst thomas castellanos versus army brady cook versus lsu or mikey Keene versus wyoming again very clearly and on a lot of teams that I would have, these guys would probably be sitting as my bench options, ready to come in during a bye week. I bet that's what's going on here with Nash here. Or this could be just a pretty deep league. But Justin, once as always, I will throw it over to you first. On the first question here, which two of these three are you going to be starting this weekend? Yeah, so the first name on the graphics, so Thomas Castellanos, uh, Boston College QB, obviously playing Army this week. Uh, he's been pretty good all season. He had kind of uh, a dud last week versus UVA, uh, which was a little bit surprising. I'm starting to wonder, is UVA just sort of maybe a little bit better on defense than I'm expecting? Uh, or maybe it was just one of those games. I'm not sure, but Castellanos has been pretty productive, and he's been good through the air. He's also, you know, he offers that rushing upside. Uh, so I, I would expect he kind of bounces back this week. Uh, and I've mentioned on the show before, generally, I don't like playing players in games versus service academies. Uh, however, Army's defense this year is not really, hasn't at least so far, has shown to not be that great. Uh, so I'm not too worried in terms of the matchup here. I mean, there is sort of still the concern of Army might condense the game a little bit, but that's not really a big deal. Uh, so I, I like Castellanos in this game as sort of a bounce back. He's got uh, at least, you know, one really good receiver there who he likes. And Lewis Bond, I'd expect they probably hook up for a touchdown or two this weekend. So I'd like Castellanos this weekend. Uh, the other two, I find a little bit more difficult to discern between. Um, Brady Cook's kind of been quietly productive this season. It kind of surprised me. I was just looking up his stats just now. Uh, and he's he's had some pretty good games, actually. This matchup, though, versus LSU, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to sort of 
get a full read on LSU's defense. Uh, you know, they really, really shut down Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. They've got some really good players on that front seven. So you kind of assume that the defense is, is quite good. Uh, however, we just saw Ole Miss uh, really have their way with that defense also. You know, is Missouri's offense at the same caliber as Ole Miss's? Maybe not. You know, I guess it depends. They certainly they've got some good receivers. Um, so, you know, that matchup, I don't really know what to, what to make of it. Is it a bad matchup? Is it a good matchup? I'm just kind of in, in neutral, right? And then Mikey Keene, he's kind of been up and down, and he's not really um, – he's mostly just a pass, passer. He doesn't really offer much rushing upside, so he is more one-dimensional. Zilch. Wyoming typically – yeah, sorry, what's that? I was saying zilch, like nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, so. yeah he literally literally is one-dimensional, yeah. And, and that matchup versus Wyoming, you know, Wyoming's typically – pretty stingy they're, they're one of those types of teams they're, they're generally running the ball physically playing good defense i don't have the numbers off the top of my head so jared i'm sure will correct me if i'm wrong on that but uh typically wyoming is pretty solid on defense and keen doesn't really have that rushing upside uh so it's kind of again a matchup where i'm not really sure what to, to make of it so i'm think i'm just going to go with the tiebreaker with brady cook because i know he can run it uh i don't feel fantastic about either of those two QBs, but these are the options. And on, you know, as Jared mentioned, I assume probably do the bye weeks piling up. Uh, so I, I would take a chance with, uh, with cook in this matchup. I, I like what I saw from dart last weekend in terms of what he could do against LSU's defense. Again, I don't think Brady cooks as good as, as dart is, but you know, I, I think he can be successful in this. Yeah. I'm pretty much going to go not, or I'm, I'm definitely of the same mind of you when it comes to Brady cook here. I, really like this matchup quite a bit again if you look at the vegas total vegas is expecting um missouri to be able to find a way to score about 28 to 30 points in this game i think that's very very reasonable for them i mean lsu's defense is quickly being exposed as an issue again what we thought was just a really good offense for florida state in week one turns out might have had just a lot more to do with lsu's deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball again obviously florida state still has a pretty good offense but it seems like LSU just has a pretty consistent problem with keeping anybody off the board right now, not named Mississippi State. Cook, like I kind of mentioned earlier this week, and like you just mentioned just now, Justin, he's kind of been surprisingly productive. Again, 340-plus passing yards in the last three games. He has been much more productive with his arm this year than he has been in the past. Again, kudos to Kirby Moore, the offensive coordinator there at Missouri, for kind of helping fix that. And again, like given what we've seen in the past, it's kind of surprising the fact that Cook hasn't rushed for over 20 yards in a game this season. I think as high as is 17 so far this year. I think that just shows there's some unlock. Uh, there is still some lockdown potential here with Brady Cook if he kind of gets into a night fight here with LSU. Last year he finished the regular season with rushing totals of 106. 71 138 and then 38 clearly if he needs to run and they let him he will and i think once he gets into these night fights with a team like lsu they'll probably let him run quite a bit more here and given how well he's done with his arm that's a very safe floor that just gets added on with potential rushing in the future so i really like brady cook moving forward with some potential that could be unlocked over the next couple weeks and then like you, the last two are a little bit harder for me. I like Castellanos, but again, that last week scares me just a little bit. Maybe defenses are starting to figure him out. 
just a bit. And every time, like you said, every time a team, especially a kind of, I want, I want to say like lower to mid power five team, especially goes up against a service academy, you are rolling the dice on how well that team is able to prepare for the triple option. Because sometimes you can have teams that where it's just no problem. Again, look at Syracuse. I mean, actually, Syracuse is the perfect. First half Syracuse was not prepared for the triple option whatsoever. It was a struggle bust. I was scared for my Garrett Schrader shares that week. I played him that week. I'm like, oh, yeah, they can handle Army. Not the first half they didn't. But then second half Syracuse was like, you know, the other side of the dice. You're, you're rolling. They're scoring. It doesn't matter what Army's doing. They get shut down regardless. I think I'm still going to roll with Mikey Keene here, though, is by a smidge. Outside of last week, this Fresno State offense has just been humming, humming, humming along. And again, last week is very disappointing for Keene through two interceptions against a bad secondary. So it's just a very uncharacteristic performance there. He's also playing without um, um, Eric Brooks for a half, which was super, super weird. Again, not really sure what information is out there about why Brooks was so limited in the first half of that game. And I went back and checked his snap counts. He absolutely did not play the first half of that game. So definitely weird. So he's without his best weapon there. Should get Brooks back this week because we saw him play the second half last week. This Wyoming defense, again, the numbers do say that Wyoming's passing defense is worse than Army's passing defense. So I think I'm going to slightly roll with Keen, and especially this being a six-point passing touchdown league, that just gives me a little bit more incentive to go Keen's way. So I'm going to go Keen. This could come back to bite me in the butt, but you know I'm glad we're starting off with two different um, decisions here, Justin. Let's go ahead and move on to our second quarterback question. This one comes to us. Where is my... There is, found my button. Before you move on... Uh... The, the, model. the model says the yeah. model yes the model agrees with you justin the model has brady cook in first with 25.16 fantasy points projected then has thomas castellanos going up for 23.19 fantasy points against army and then it has mikey Keane going up against wyoming for 19.49 fantasy points again i think it's punishing Keane a little bit too much potentially for last week's performance because that was definitely Keen's lowest performance of the year I think he bounced back bounces back pretty nicely from that this week but we'll definitely see next one comes to us from I'm JD TBH which I don't know why every time I read that username it is it is funny to me it's like I'm JD to be honest I don't know mm-hmm. I get a little chuckle out of it anyway we need to start two here this is again a four-point passing touchdown league we need to decide between Byron Brown quarterback out of USF or Braden Fowler, Nicolosi versus Utah State, or Jalen Raynor, the quarterback at Arkansas State, going up against Troy. I'll go first here. I think the duh option out of these three is Byron Brown. Got a top five quarterback in the country for fantasy, going up against a good matchup with UAB. We discussed it earlier. One of the highest over-under points of the weekend. No reason to keep Byron Brown on the bench here. He's the only dual. Well, he's not the only dual threat, but he's a dual threat quarterback. That that's a that's a fantasy match made in heaven right there. Brown should absolutely be starting here, and then the other two is a little bit. I don't want to say closer, but it, it it's a little bit more interesting. You got Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, who is a full on pocket passer. That is kind of the limiting thing here, but he has a really good matchup in Utah State. Versus you got Jalen Raynor, who is 
been phenomenal. The last two weeks, he's gotten full starts. He has been absolutely tearing apart some defenses the last couple of weeks. I believe he scored 43-plus fantasy points in both of the last two weeks. Top three finishes at QB both weeks. Absolutely phenomenal. But he's got that matchup with Troy. And man, I've seen too many good quarter uh, fantasy quarterbacks this year get absolutely limited by that Troy defense. Think about Austin Reed. Think about Darren Granger this past week who scored zero touchdowns against that Troy defense. Uh, Jordan McLeod, to a lesser degree, had his worst fantasy production of the year against Troy's defense. So, Raynor can probably still have a pretty good week there. I think, again, if if, if Raynor were to drop from 43 points down to, like, 25, you're still kind of feeling okay because uh, he's got that rushing ability. But even still, I think I'm still going to lean towards Braden Fowler and Nicolosi here. Going with that matchup at Utah State, again, we talked about the high over under there. Utah State has... Um, Utah State has the 91st defense in the country versus the pass. Again, I mentioned that total of 64. Both teams expected to score, keeping up with one another. He should have plenty of ways to score. And he should monopolize those touchdowns. With Kobe Johnson kind of coming back from injury, you would think the staff would kind of limit his touches in um, like kind of tight goal line scenarios there. You um, And then you also have Avery Morrow out. So pretty much just like last week against Utah Tech, they should only pass for the most part. They don't have much else going on at the running back position. I think um, Shield is the only other option they have there, and he's not particularly great. So I'm going to start Byron Brown for sure, and then I'm going to go Braden Fowler-Nicolosi as my other option. Justin, which way are you going here, man? Okay, well, I, I half agree with you on, I guess, the obvious point. Yeah, Byron Brown uh, definitely has to be starting this week. He's sort of uh, a no-brainer. Uh, from that standpoint, great matchup. He's been a great player. I am curious, actually, about what they'll do if Jerry Bohannon eventually gets healthy. Like, I, I feel like we've reached a point now where it would seem ludicrous to take Byron Keep Brown out of their lineup. Booty on the bench. Yeah, 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 probably. I mean, uh, but I have to say, in this week in my home league, I'm playing the number one seed, and he has Byron Brown, so. Uh, although I'm choosing him to start, I'm fingers crossed that he has a dud of a game. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Uh, in terms of the other two, I'm going to keep consistent in my thought process. And I actually agree 100% with what Jared was saying. Uh, it's not a great matchup in, for Jalen Rayner, I should say. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna start Jalen Rayner because he has that dual threat uh, ability. Okay. And I'm going to sit uh, Nicolosi. Uh, and yeah, I mean... Rainer has been absolutely on fire the last couple of weeks. Uh, literally, given the data that we have at this point, the range of outcomes for how his the rest of his season goes are extremely varied, right? I mean, this could just be who he is, and he, can, he continues to light the scoreboard up and becomes, you know, a 1.01 candidate next season, or, you know, he maybe comes back down to earth this weekend uh, and, you know, is a little bit less uh, less valuable as a commodity or something in between, right? There's a whole range of outcomes. And as Jared is mentioning, yeah, the, ma the matchup here is not ideal. Uh, and that's what kind of makes this question interesting, uh, I assume, for the for the person who's asking. Uh, I'm just going to roll with the hot hand here, though. And again, he offers that sort of dual threat upside, uh, which for me is kind of a differentiating factor here when deciding between uh, starting and sitting. Uh, I know, yeah, Nicolosi's matchup is much better. But, 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to roll Rainer. You know, he's been money the past couple of weeks. Uh, just continue to ride the hot hand and sort of fingers crossed that he can sort of overcome that Troy defense. Uh, we haven't seen uh, many quarterbacks do it so far this season, but we'll see. Justin going high risk, high reward with the, as Nate Marquise calls him, the G5 Kyler Murray. So mm-hmm. we'll definitely see if that pays off for you. Justin, let's go ahead and move our tokens back there and move on to some running back questions. This next one comes to us from Mr. Julian. He is asking us to start one quarter or one running back between the three of these guys. You got Cameron Scadabo, running back out of Arizona State, or Kamani Vidal, the running back out of Troy, going up against Arkansas State. Or we can go Imani Bailey, the running back out of TCU, going up against Iowa State. Justin, throwing it over to you first, man. Which one of these running backs are you going to be rolling with? Yeah, well, real quick, I'll, I'll just mention we forgot to. I, uh, I check did the it again. The last one. I did. Yeah, I did. I so, did. Anyway, real quick. Uh, Byron Brown, twenty-seven point four six. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi got twenty-eight point seven six, and then Jalen Braynor, nineteen point three eight. So the model agrees with <laughs> me there. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's yeah. I think it's boosting up Fowler Nicolosi just a little bit too much for his incredible performance last week. Um so I would probably guess him him around like twenty five rather than twenty eight, twenty nine points, but we will definitely see. Anyway. Yeah, time time will tell. And uh yeah, I feel like half my role on this show is just to remind you when you forget. Sorry, I I, I I need to put it like after <laughs> each one, just be like model, model, model. Anyway. <laughs> back to Julian's question good. just a reminder for those of you in case you forgot between now and the last 20 seconds Cameron Scadabo, Kamani Vidal or Imani Bailey Justin which one of those guys are you rolling with yeah no it's a good question and, and not to delay this question much longer but I'm not going to lie Nate Marquise's nickname for Jalen Rayner is part of the reason I'm choosing him to start this weekend it's a great nickname Wait, uh, about Kyle this Murray question yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Anyways, so this question. Um, we're starting how many here? Starting one, one or two? Just one? Okay. Just one. Uh, I like, uh, well, immediately I'm going to eliminate Bailey. I like Bailey a lot, but his matchup of the three uh, clearly stands out as the worst. Uh, so he's he's a good player, but just this week, in terms of how he stacks up against the other two, I like him uh, considerably less. Uh, in terms of Scadabo, we talked about him earlier, so I think he's in a really good matchup. This is, you know, a phenomenal spot to start him. Definitely wouldn't be unhappy to start him. But I'm actually going to start uh, Kamani Fidel versus Arkansas State. Uh, they've been riding him quite a bit. Over there at Troy, he gets pretty consistent touch volume. Uh, he's been a producer for them. Uh, I like the matchup. And, you know, honestly, as I said, between Scatterbow and him, you're kind of splitting hairs. You know, I, I don't... Honestly, I, like, I think you're happy either way. I'm not sure there's going to be much difference in terms of the point output at the end. Again, you know, only time will tell. But I have to choose one. Uh, I like Vidal um, in this matchup. Yeah, Julian, I would double check to make sure there's not a way for you to get both Scadabo and Vidal into your lineup somehow, unless you just have an absolutely monster team. And, you know, you're just kind of humble bragging here, being like, oh, I have to bench one of these two guys. I agree with Justin, though. Amani Bailey is probably the easy sit out of the bunch here. Again, he's been phenomenal. The volume's been good with him. But for all of their faults, Iowa State does have a pretty decent rushing defense. They're top 40 in the nation there. And we did see that last week that Bailey is pretty susceptible to strong rushing defenses. Um, We saw that against West Virginia this past week where they held him to just over three yards per carry. Not a great performance for Amani Bailey. If you started him last week, you're fully aware of that. So I would sit him again this week. 
see if he can kind of make a bounce back week and then start him against some better matchups down the line, especially amongst these two or amongst three these three options. Justin, I'm glad you went first because I was kind of going back and forth between Vidal and Scatabo. Like I said, or like you said, and I agree, we're splitting hairs between the two of these guys. Both of them have great volume. Both of them have great matchups here. It's really difficult to kind of go down between the two of them. But I'm just going to go the other side of this. I'm going to go Cameron Scatabo here. I think for now, it is just smart to pick on Colorado's defense. Again, we've seen in every game that they've had, for the most part, that they're going to let whoever score against them, again, unless your name is Nebraska and Jeff Sims, in which case you turn the ball over a thousand times during the game. I Again, I think that's pretty much the splitting there is that Colorado's defense against the rush is just slightly worse than Arkansas State's. I think, um, like you said, they utilize Cameron Scatabone some more creative ways. I can get him involved in the game a little bit more than maybe even Vidal can. So I'm going to roll with that for the most part. But again, Julian, find a, find a way to get both of these guys in your lineup. Let's move on to the next question here. This one comes to us from Mr. Model, Ty. Oh, model, 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 model. model. Anyway, um, let's see. Cameron Scatabo, 18.42. Uh, Kimbani Vidal has 22.00, so the model agrees with you there, Justin. It actually has Amani Bailey as the second highest option here at 19.62. I'm kind of surprised it's not dinging Bailey more for his performance last week. I guess just the weeks before were just so good that it kind of averaged out for the most part. Um, but again, I'm going full against the model, I guess, here, because it has Scatabo the lowest, but I'm going to roll with him. I think it's a great matchup. All right. Now, let's go to Ty Myers. I'm going to type model underneath this one. I'm, uh, I'm going to challenge <laughs> myself not to forget this one. Anyway, Ty Myers asks us to start one running back out of this bunch. This is three running backs in three very different situations here. So this, this should be a fun one. You got Raheem Sanders going up against Ole Miss this weekend. You got Anthony Grant going up against Illinois. And then we got Amani Bailey again. Uh, like I said, going up against Iowa State this upcoming weekend. So, again, breaking these three guys down, Raheem Sanders. We know the ceiling. We've, we've seen what Raheem Sanders can be in college fantasy football, but is he fully back? Performances so far really kind of say no. Again, week one against uh, Western Carolina, again, averaging under three yards per carry, got two touchdowns, but like, no, his, his longest rush is 14 yards in that game. Just really no big explosive runs against a very weak opponent there. Then he's out for multiple weeks, comes back against Texas A&M finally last week, and his workload very limited. 11 carries, 34 yards, no touchdowns. Just an absolutely, or an, I won't say abysmal, because again, he got two catches for 36 yards. So we, got, we saw a little bit of explosiveness there come back for him. But it's so difficult to project him over the next couple of weeks, especially going up against Ole Miss this weekend, who has a pretty decent rushing defense. Then you got Anthony Grant, who is very up and down. He's got a good matchup against Illinois. They're 109th in the country against the run. They're averaging uh, 100, almost 180 rushing yards allowed per game. And theoretically, Grant should get the bulk of carries against that porous Illinois defense. It's just... It's just one of those things where, again, does he have an up or down week? We don't know. And then we kind of mentioned Amani Bailey. Most consistent volume of the three of these guys, for sure. 
But again, I'm hesitant for him against a pretty solid rushing defense that I would say pretty much the reasons I already mentioned in the last question. This is all to say, I think I'm going to roll with Anthony Grant. Because we've seen that when they get a good matchup for him, they get him the volume, and he usually performs pretty well when he has a good matchup. Now, when he goes up against like a Michigan, they don't give him the ball a ton. They get game scripted out pretty quickly, and it can get it can be a rough day for Grant pretty quickly. But when it's kind of a more even matchup like this, it's a defense he can run against. I think he's going to have a pretty good weekend this weekend. So I'm going to roll with Anthony Grant here. And Justin, I'll throw it over to you now, sir. Which one of these three are you going with? Yeah, I like these options uh, less, or at least these two other options besides Bailey uh, less than I did from the last question. I feel like my hands are kind of tied in terms of who I have to select because, yeah, we mentioned Bailey has sort of a tough matchup. Sanders, it's sort of the question of, like, is he right? Is he not? Presumably, you know, he's going to be returning to health at some point this season. And I, I feel like we had sort of a similar question like this last week with Judkins. And then obviously Judkins had a great game. So you, you are playing with fire there Yep, a little bit. There can be an argument to be made for, you know, you might want to swing for the upside with Sanders. I mean, you mentioned Ole Miss is pretty solid versus uh, the run. But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we know if, if Raheem is back fully healthy, uh, most likely, you know, he'd probably be able to see success in this game. Uh, and, and Bailey, as we mentioned earlier, like consistently, you know, he's, he's getting the getting the touches. Generally, I feel like he is a must start every week, but it is a tough matchup. Uh, I did have him in one of my leagues last week. So I was watching that TCU West Virginia game and he had like an abysmal like five or six points up until like the fourth quarter. And then he salvaged like a 12 point day off of like receptions and a few midsize runs right at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his, his day actually looked better really than it probably deserved to be. And then, yeah, Anthony Grant, it kind of feels weird to say that Illinois is such a porous run defense, given what they did last year. They were a very elite defense. Um, they just lost yeah, so much. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think just the turnover kind of hurt them. And he just feels like, okay, well, he has a good matchup. There's nobody left really besides him in that backfield. So in terms of, you know, if we're looking at this as a formula, he should get the touches and they should be effective on offense. So just kind of from logical deduction there, you know, he doesn't have any health issues as far as I, I'm concerned, I, I can tell. So in terms of how he stacks up against Bailey and Sanders, he has sort of those going for him, checks those boxes, I should say. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you, uh, Jared, on this long-winded response. I'm also going to start Anthony Grant, although I'm not really that happy about it. That's fine. We've we've been disagreeing enough today. What's what's one question where we both agree on it? And the funny thing is that we both agree on this, but the model, see, I remember this time, the model likes Anthony Grant the least out of this bunch. It has Anthony Grant at 12.91 fantasy points. I really think it's punishing it, him a little bit too much for some bad matchups the last couple of weeks outside of um Good Lord. Uh, yeah, Louisiana Tech, he went up against, like, outside of that matchup, it was some bad matchups for Grant the last couple of weeks. And then next it has Raheem Sanders. Likes Raheem Sanders at 14.87 points this week against Ole Miss. And then actually likes, like I said, Amani Bailey against Iowa State at 19.62 fantasy points there. Let's see if we can beat the model this week, Justin. So... Let's move on to some wide receiver questions here. This one, next one comes to us from Mr. ATL Dan. He's asking us to start one wide receiver 
out of this bunch of three here, we got Josh Kelly, the wide receiver out of Washington State we talked about earlier. We got Jimmy Horn, the wide receiver out of Colorado. Or we can go with uh, Ladeatric Griffin, a.k.a. Tulu Griffin, wide receiver out of Mississippi State. He's going up against um, Western Michigan this week. So, Justin, throwing it over to you first, sir. Which one of these three are you going to take the shot on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all three options actually I think are really good, uh, which makes answering this question kind of tricky. In terms of matchups, just all three of them, I think they have good matchups. In terms of their roles in the offense, uh, again, all three I think are pretty solid. I mean, Kelly, obviously, as we talked about earlier, you know, is probably going to see an uptick in targets, even though, yeah, he's not the slot guy taking over from Victor. In Victor's absence, he's probably still going to see an uptick in terms of his usage. Oren has been really good for Colorado all season long. Uh, they basically pump the same two or three guys full of targets every game yep. consistently. So we know that. Uh, Griffin, obviously, this is a great, this is very random. <laughs> you know, we imagine kind of started last week and then all, you know, just randomly, but Mississippi State is playing Western Michigan. It's kind of a buzzkill, especially if you're a Jalen Buckley shareholder this week. But it's a great matchup, uh, obviously, for Mississippi State. And Griffin's been a guy that they've used quite a bit. Uh, they've kind of been relying really on two guys, primarily on offense, uh, Jaquavius Marks at running back and Griffin at wide receiver. And even Griffin gets like rushing attempts as well. They they try to get him involved every which way. Uh, and this would be a game where you'd assume, you know, he can, he, he'll probably be very effective with the touches he gets. Uh, so it's very hard to pick a player from these three to say, I don't want to start him because really all three of them would be guys. I'd be very happy to start. Um, and are we picking one or two here? Sorry, we're picking one. Okay, I'm pretty sure you're going to pick Jimmy Horn. Uh, that's obviously that would be a great pick. But as I mentioned, I'm happy to start any three of these. I'm actually going to go with Griffin. Uh, the, okay. the the disparity in basically the talent. The the one concern I would have is that maybe Mississippi State gets up to such a lead early enough in the game to where Griffin is just taken out of the game, whereas that concern isn't really present with the other two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a sense i'm kind of disagreeing with my own pick here but i've, I've made the pick now and <laughs> i think griffin even like if he's playing for one half or three quarters i mean just looking at his usage uh, in that offense i'm pretty sure you know if he sees five six targets a couple rush attempts he should get you know a touchdown maybe 200 yards that i would assume he'll have a pretty good day uh but like i said literally all three of these players uh, i'd be very happy to start any of them i'm, I'm just sort of splitting hairs here no, I agree. All three of them have their ups and downs and everything. I actually have Griffin as my last place pick here, um, mostly to do with the fact that the other two options are so good. I know they're going to play all 60 minutes there. Going up against Western Michigan, he could have an ap- Griffin could have an absolute monster day, or he could be out by the third quarter without really having done much. Just too much variance, in my opinion, when you have some other solid options. If we were picking two here... I might throw him in here as like, you know, I pick one safe play and then I throw Griffin in as like a, okay, let's see if we can hit that home run with Griffin there. But I'm deciding between Horn and Kelly here. It is razor thin in my opinion. I think both of these guys are good. Um, UCLA is a tougher matchup out of the bunch. They're 25th against the pass. But quite frankly, this Washington State offense with Ben Arbuckle there kind of seems pretty matchup proof so far. They've decimated some pretty good defenses like wisconsin and then just recently oregon state oregon state has held everybody under 17 points so far this season they face some decent um 
offenses and Wisconsin or Washington State comes in and just hangs 38 on them. So I think that I'm not really worried about the matchup for um, Kelly. And like we mentioned earlier, Kelly's just kind of been pretty solid all year long outside of the game against Wisconsin where he only had three targets. Otherwise, he's had seven plus targets. Obviously, the game against Oregon State was his best one so far. But I think, and I hate that you called me out on that, but I think I'm going to start Jimmy Horn out of the two. And it feels weird that we're both sitting Josh Kelly because I thought that was going to be where the hairs were going to get split there because uh, Kelly's a great pick here as well. Horn's going up against Arizona State. They're 50th against the pass, so a little bit easier of a team to go up against. I think we have more data points showing that Horn will have a more consistent output so far, whereas Kelly's kind of recently come on for the most part. Horn has been very consistent for Colorado. He's seen games of 13 targets, 9 targets, 10 targets, only 3 targets versus Oregon, but that was the game where Colorado just got absolutely destroyed, so I'm going to throw that one out. As long as Colorado's competitive, he's seeing A-plus targets. He's seeing 60-plus yards. He probably sees a touchdown thrown in there. I think Horn's the safest play out of the bunch here, so I'm going to roll with him. As for what the model says, it has... um, Oh, I forgot to look up Josh Kelly and what his numbers are, so that's uh, something I can do real quick, but... uh, for now, I can tell you what it has for Jimmy Horn. It has Jimmy Horn. Seems like it's punishing him for his game against Oregon still. But it has him at 15.29 fantasy points. It has Tulu Griffin. It likes Tulu Griffin quite a bit in that matchup. But it has him at 21.28. If I could get these dadgum rankings to pull up here. Give me just one second. There we go. All right, it has Josh Kelly at 19.13 fantasy points. So it actually, it, it agrees with you, Justin, that Tulu is the best play out of the bunch here. I agree with you, though. All three of these guys are great, so I'm not going not gonna to knock it too much. Yeah, we, we really need to track to see uh, how the model is doing versus our results, because when you tell me the model agrees with me, I don't know. Should I be happy about it? Or <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. It w- went... When it disagrees with you, the model stinks. When the model agrees with you, it's great. That's, that's how the game's <laughs> yeah, played. Yeah. That's how the game's played. <laughs> All right, got another wide receiver question here. Let me move our tokens back here. This one comes to us from Mr. Stan the Caddy. He's asking us to start two wide receivers out of this bunch. We got Adonai Mitchell, the wide receiver out of Texas, going up against Oklahoma. We got Tyler Brown, the wide receiver out of Clemson, going up against Wake Forest. True freshman wide receiver, I should mention. And then the last option here, Silas Bolden, the wide receiver out of Oregon State, going up against Cal. To me, the clear start here is Adonai Mitchell. Because let me ask you, Justin, if Adonai Mitchell was instead Xavier Worthy, would it not be kind of the clear play out of the bunch? Well, yeah, I mean... Xavier Worthy with the name brand value, I think, would sort of supplant, you know, ascend him. But I think I know where you're going with this, Jared, in terms of, like, what they've both done this season. Exactly. Uh, Adonai Mitchell's not right? been far behind Worthy this year. Again, he's he's got three less targets than Worthy this year. Again, he's had one more touchdown, four less receptions, only 24 less yards than him. He has been pretty much neck and neck with Worthy. So, like, I feel like... Like you said, the name brand kind of plays into this a little bit. You think, oh, Adonai Mitchell, that's a, that's um, like he's a tier lower than Worthy. But if you put Worthy in this question instead of Adonai Mitchell, it'd be a clear start. I think, again, 
to me, once I kind of realized that, I'm like, oh, yeah, Adonai Mitchell is a clear start here. Again, maybe they're spreading it around too much at Texas for me right now. But again, it's a good matchup against Oklahoma. Both teams are going to score points. I'm going with Adonai Mitchell as one. And then the other one I'm going to go with is Silas Bolden. I think he's just been a bit more consistent. Since week one, his lowest target share or his lowest target amount has been five. And in that game, it was against UC Davis. So they quickly got him out of there. Uh, four catches, 65 yards, touchdown. He had himself a really good day there, as well as a little bit of rushing work as well, which was really nice to see. And then the, uh, and then outside of that game, seven plus targets every single week. His production is pretty much increasing week by week for Oregon State. They're relying on him even more as the season's kind of going along here. And then again, Tyler Brown, very similar to Silas Bolden, where his production's kind of going up week by week. His target share is going up week by week. That's great to see, but he is still a true freshman at the end of the day. I think there's going to be some variance with him on a week-by-week basis in terms of his performance, just a little bit more than a guy like Silas Bolden. So I'm going to roll with Adonai Mitchell and Silas Bolden there. Justin, which two are you going to roll with here? Yeah, it's another great question. And I like the point you made right at the top there about A.D. Mitchell. Uh, and if we swapped him out with Xavier Worthy, he's a clear play. I, I, again, yeah, I think if you look at A.D. Mitchell's numbers, uh, he's a clear play for me as well. And it's kind of part of the reason why I avoided Worthy in drafts this offseason, because I figured they would sort of spread the ball around, and it wasn't really clear that he was the alpha with A.D. Mitchell there. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, as much as he breaks my heart, uh, former dog who will be known as a Texan Longhorn, I guess, in the NFL, I actually have a picture of his uh, catch in a national championship game over, I think it was Kyrie Jackson at nice. 21 national. Yeah. It's right up here on my, on my office wall. So he, he's Very a funny nice. player, right? He's, he's made two of the most iconic catches in UJ football history. He'll be known as a longhorn though in the NFL. It stings a little bit, but Hey, what can you do? But yeah, that's the era we live in. It is what it is. Right. But in terms of uh, the logic behind choosing him to start this week, yeah, it's big game. You expect the biggest players to have big performances. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, he's been good all season for them. Um, they do spread the ball around, so that that is a concern. Uh, it's possible, you know, he's just the odd one out this game. But I'd be surprised if he doesn't at least have a solid game. He feels like a safe pick, I think. Uh, in terms of the other two, uh, Bolden's been quietly productive uh, this season. He's not, he's not a guy that people have really talked about much. Uh, but he is a guy that has been seeing good volume, good usage. Um, and they also have a really good matchup uh, this week versus Cal. Uh, and then Tyler Brown, you know, he's he's come on strong lately. Uh, they had a guy, Antonio Williams, who's kind of been injured. Uh, and Tyler Brown's kind of ascended in his absence. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, he's a true freshman. So, you know, there, there's a little bit of risk there in terms of we don't really know what to expect from Brown still, even though it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, their, their, their matchup against Wake Forest, I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, it doesn't stand out to me really either way as a good one or a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to agree again with Jared in terms of choosing the start Bolden. Um, again, I'm not too happy about it, but it, it, it is what it is. I have to call it how I see it here. No, for sure. Again, when you, I'm, I'm, I'm happy when you agree with me, and also sad when you agree with me. It's, a, it's a mixed feeling every single time because I'm like, oh, Justin's a smart guy. I feel good about my picks now. But then also at the same time, I'm like, ah, content. We need people. We need disagreement. But not. Nah, it's all good. Let's go ahead and move these back. 
appreciate again thank you everybody who's entered these questions so far i keep forgetting to actually uh thank all of you guys afterwards and the other thing i keep forgetting to do is to talk about the model stan what does the model say for your question here it has all of these guys 20 plus points so the model actually stan likes all three of these guys as plays this week it has silas bolden in third place at 20 0.71 fantasy points. It has Adonai Mitchell at 22.17. It has Tyler Brown at 23.11. Again, I'm just a little, I'm I'm just a little hesitant about true freshmen. Um, in like like just I think the point Justin brought up about Wake Forest is a good point in the fact that it's not a particularly great matchup. Not even like like Wake Forest has a great defense or anything like that. It's just not expected to be like a super high-scoring game where both teams are going to be forced to put up points and everything like that. Very likely, this game ends up being like a 24-14 to 14 kind of finish, as far as I can tell. So, he would be the one I would probably sit, even though the model disagrees with us. All right, let's move on to some flex questions here. This one comes to us from I'm Costin. He's asking us to start one guy out of the three here. We got Amari and Hampton versus Syracuse. Or we can go Duran Bradley, wide receiver out of Texas Tech, going up against Baylor this weekend. Or we can go Joshua Cephas, wide receiver out of UTSA, going up against Temple. Justin, throwing it over to you first, man. Who are you going with? Uh, yeah, three good options. Um, I've commented on Hampton in the past, and generally I'm not a huge fan of players that I know are splitting carries, but he just keeps scoring touchdowns. Uh, and if he's just gonna if he's gonna continue scoring, there, there's not much to dislike there. Their matchup for Syracuse isn't ideal, uh, but it's not terrible either. So he's a guy I wouldn't be too upset if I had to start. Uh, Duran Bradley, um, you know Tyler Shuck is out now at quarterback. Uh, I do like their matchup versus Baylor. Baylor's defense has not been great this season. Horrendous. So that, that that that. Well, yeah, so that's a game where it definitely has the potential to be a shootout. Probably it will be, uh, and you'd expect Bradley to be on the other end of some of those passing touchdowns uh, that will be scored. And then Joshua Cephas is kind of, in terms of just season-long uh, value, I would say he's kind of the guy who's probably the best of the three. Uh, he's been really consistent there. Definitely, you know, he's benefited from Sakari Franklin's transfer and Corian Clark's injury. Uh, is Frank Harris back this week? You know, Jared. It sounds like we're supposed to get a healthy Frank Harris coming out of the bye. All right. So then that makes this this decision a little easier for me. I'm going to roll with Cephas here. Uh, I'm going to take a chapter out of Jared's book just because I think he's kind of the safest value, safest play. We know what his role is there. He's definitely their go-to wide receiver. They have a good matchup for his temple. Uh, they should be able to score points. And the, just the fact that Frank Harris, uh, the the presumed starter in the preseason, and the guy who's basically been the starter there for what feels like forever, like at least a couple seasons now, uh, he'll be back. So that should help as well with Cephas uh, in terms of being productive this weekend compared to the other two. Again, I, I wouldn't be too upset if I had to start either Bradley or Hampton. Uh, it's just a case where with Cephas, there isn't as many concerns that I have. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you this time. I'm going Cephas, and it's not particularly close in my mind. Hampton, again, yes, he keeps scoring touchdowns, but again, that typically regresses back to the mean at some point during the season for the most part. 
So he's going to have some pretty big dud weeks, and that could come against Syracuse this weekend, who has had some pretty decent defensive performances at time this year. So we'll see how that goes. But right now, I'm definitely sitting Hampton. And then Jaron Bradley, he's been super up and down. Like He started off the year pretty strong, kind of has faded a little bit. Throw in there that Baron Morton just doesn't seem to be the guy we want him to be at Texas Tech, unfortunately. Again, it seemed like he had all the makings to be that next great Zach Kittley quarterback and just hasn't happened. Yes, it's a good matchup in Baylor. He's probably my second favorite option out of these two, especially if this is a PPR league. Costin didn't uh, specify on that. But to me, just adding everything else, Joshua Sifa seems like the absolute perfect play here. His target share is incredible. He doubles the next receiver on his team in targets. He has 42 compared to uh, Oleg or Ogle Kellogg, who has 21. He gets matched up with Temple this week, who just got absolutely sliced and diced by Cardell Williams and Tulsa this past week. Temple supposedly 34th in passing, but I don't think that's very real because they're 124th against the run. So I think their passing stats are good because nobody really needs to throw on them because they run on yeah. them so easily. So I think that'll play out well here for Cephas. I think he, if, if Frank Harris does want to throw the ball, it's still going to go to Cephas's way. He's got a good matchup. He's got a good target share. He's my man here. I think it's not particularly close. As to what the model says, model thinks it's a little bit closer. It has uh, Jaron Bradley in a clear third place with 11.39 fantasy points. It's not like Jaron Bradley this week. But it has Amarian Hampton at 21.54 fantasy points. Again, that's that touch, those touchdowns coming in right there, I think. And then Joshua Cephas has at 22.92 fantasy points. So that's top 10 receiver range for you right there. Costin, I think that's a pretty clear sign. You should probably start Cephas there. All right, moving back our tokens. Let's move on to our second flex question. This one comes to us from Mr. Dan Miller. He's asking us to start one out of the three option here. We got Sia Bangura running back out of Ohio going up against Kent State this weekend. We got Kavorian Barnes versus Temple. Or we can go Jacoby George, the wide receiver out of Miami, going up against Georgia Tech. Um, My turn. It's my turn to go first. Um, So let's start with the first two running backs, a.k.a. Two of the most disappointing running backs in college fantasy so far this year. Definitely not the start we wanted out of these two with Sia Bangura getting banged up. Ohio's entire offense getting banged up. O'Shawn Allison coming in and having a bigger role than a lot of us really wanted to. Bangura, man, at this point, it's just a prayer circle is what we need for just get him to the Mac and hope he starts dominating dominating again. Once he gets into some of these matchups, but to me, he's a clear sit until he shows us that he's fully back. As much as I like the matchup against Kent State, they're a terrible team for the most part. I just, again, I'm given the option between some other guys here. I got to sit Bangira. Kavorian Barnes is actually who I'm going to start here. And it goes back to what I just mentioned about Temple just a second ago. They're 124th against the run. And to start the season... Barnes had some pretty good volume. Again, 21 carries per game, 5.7 yards per carry, 103 yards per game. And a lot of us were disappointed with the last two weeks here. But again, that was some pretty tough matchups for UTSA. They got Army, which again, like I said, it's a roll of the dice in terms of how well teams handle that kind of team. 
and then they got Tennessee right afterwards. And Tennessee more than talented enough to shut down UTSA's offense, especially when they had a backup quarterback out there playing for them. I think with Harris coming back with a much easier opponent, we're probably going to see one of Kavorian Barnes' better performances so far this season. I think I'm going to bet on that and start him here for this question. I do like Jacoby George as well. Pretty consistent, five to six targets per game, five to 90 yards per game. Again, very, very consistent. Tech, um, Tech's defense is a similar thing to Temple. They're 38th in passing, but they're bottom 10 in rushing. So it really kind of boils down to is Miami content to just run the ball down Georgia Tech's throat the entire game, kind of rest their passing game, or do they just want to expose Georgia Tech's defense whichever way they can, in which case Jacoby George should probably be in for a pretty solid day there for the most part. Regardless, I think I'm going to still go with the matchup that directly benefits the player in question, and I'm going to roll with Kavorian Barnes. So, Justin, which of these three are you going to roll with? Yeah, uh, I agree in terms of I think George is sort of the safe pick amongst the three. However, you know, choosing safe picks all the time doesn't necessarily always lead to victories week by week. So I would sometimes say that's you how you end up in it. sixth place in a 12-man league. Exactly, yeah. Being middle of the pack doesn't really help anybody. So, and yeah, um, to be honest, your argument regarding Barnes kind of swayed me a little bit. However, I am going to take a massive swing here and throw a curveball, and I'm going to pick Sia Bangura. All right. Uh He's, uh, yeah, he, he is a favorite of mine in terms of college football players. He was great last year. I had him in basically every league I was in. I, I agree uh, fully. This season obviously hasn't been uh, up to plan so far. O'Shawn Allison's back, and he's definitely part of the offense. One thing I would say is Bangura still has actually seen pretty good touch volume in most of his games. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a situation where, he is sort of a volume pig, but he's a contested volume pig, meaning he gets a lot of touches, but there's also another running back who gets a lot of touches, which is not ideal because that means, you know, throughout various scoring opportunities in the game, O'Shawn Allison is just as likely to be in there in the red zone, taking up uh, the rushing touchdowns. And those are fleeting opportunities, right? You only get so few of those per game. Exactly. Uh, if Bangura doesn't get those, it's, it's hard to sort of recoup uh, the fantasy points that you're looking for. So, but Great matchup. Kent State's not a good team, even for max standards. Uh, I I don't know. Bangor was so good last year. I know he. I I know for a fact he will be playing carries with O'Shawn Allison. Uh, but part of me doesn't want to agree with you on this question. We've agreed quite a few times, and I do just want to take a high upside shot with Bangor. See what happens. Uh, but I will say I agree with a lot of the points that Jared made as well. The uh, Kavarian Barnes case is also compelling. Uh, so I'm kind of torn between the two, but I'm going to stick with my bar- uh, Bangura pick. Well, the model disagrees with us both. It has Kavorian Barnes at 14.78 fantasy points, as Sia Bangura at 14.89 fantasy points, so slightly higher than Barnes, so it agrees with you on that point. But then it has Jacoby George at 20.81 fantasy points, so it clearly thinks that it likes him the best. I think that could possibly be... That could change depending on... like. How much you like George in this scenario, I think, depends a lot on whether this is a PPR league or not. So, like, if it's a PPR mm-hmm. league, you probably yeah. favor George a little bit more there. And I think the model is based with PPR in... Uh, yes, I'm looking at it now. It says one point per perception. So, it does assume PPR. I think that does kind of benefit George quite a bit there. 
but I'm sticking with Barnes. I, I like the matchup quite a bit. I'm looking for a bounce back here. Hopefully he can start getting some volume again there. But for the most part, I think we're both feeling pretty good there. I always I always appreciate a pick from the heart, which is exactly what you did with Bangura there. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's a favorite of mine. I'll be honest about it. Obviously, the season hasn't been great for him, but let's see if Maxion can. You know, Maxion's usually the the uh, the magic formula to turn seasons around, right? Exactly. If if I'm a fantasy doctor and one of my one of my favorites is struggling, <laughs> throw them against a few Mac opponents, and they should be fine. That usually does the trick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got one tight end question here. Let's get through this one decently quick because we're running on just a little bit long today, but that's my fault, y'all. I've been long-winded today. We got this one comes to us from George Carlton. He is asking us between Eric All, the tight end out of Iowa, going up against Purdue this weekend, or we can go with Michael Harrison, the tight end wide receiver hybrid out of Colorado going up against Arizona State. Justin, I'll throw it over to you real quick. Which one are you going, man? Mm-hmm. This one's easy for me. I'm going to go with Michael Harrison against Arizona State. Uh, riding the hot hand here. It's been great the last couple of weeks. Uh, basically, since Travis Hunter, the wide receiver, has been injured, he's kind of stepped up as the third option. Although there was Omarion Miller, the freshman, who kind of broke out last weekend. So, yeah, maybe he soaks up some more targets. It remains to be seen what his role will be. But Harrison's been good two weeks in a row. Uh, what's not to like about that? Good matchup. So, you know, uh, for me, I think just riding the hot hand here kind of makes sense. Eric All, you know, also not a bad option, but that Iowa offense just in general is not good, yep. uh, even though they are tight end U. And it's, again, yeah, not a bad matchup, but I don't know, Colorado's more explosive. Uh, Harrison just feels like he offers way more upside. Feels like he could easily go for 20 points in this game. Uh, he's been pretty close to that the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm going to roll with Harrison here. I'm going to pretty much agree with you wholeheartedly. It's pretty simple logic here. I'm just going to go and aim for the tight end that's probably going to be on the offense that scores more points, gives me more, uh, gives me multiple bites of the proverbial touchdown apple. And so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Although I will say, like, with Lachey down and Cade uh, McNamara down, I think that, like, I do think that Ference actually did try to change up his offense a little bit. We saw that in the start of the season, they were passing more. They are getting more, um, they're getting their wide receivers more involved than they have in the past. I do think he actually legitimately tried to change the way he did his offense. But with McNamara going down, with Lachey going down, you're losing your two most important offensive, and uh, Caleb Johnson out as well. I really think that with missing his three best guys, he's probably about to just um, shrink up into his conservative offense little shell and go back to what he knows. And that could benefit Eric All greatly here. I mean, this past weekend, we saw Eric All have the most amount of targets he's had this past year after McNamara goes down. So I think that he has some pretty good weeks down the line, potentially. If Iowa's offense can kind of find the end zone, he has a pretty good shot at being the guy who finds the end zone. But again, between these two guys, it's a pretty big no-brainer. Got to go Michael Harrison here. All right. Before we get out of here, Justin, I do want to update you and the listeners at home how our little competition is going so far. And uh, not, to, not to brag too much here, but uh, Justin, I'm not going to lie, it was a little ugly last week. Um, 
I finished the week with 249 fantasy points. You finished the week with 161. Um, a couple of brutal questions in there. I picked Braden Fowler Nicolosi over Jacob Zeno. Uh, Jacob Zeno scored eight fantasy points. Fowler Nicolosi scored 43. Uh, you picked Amani Bailey on one question, who scored 10 points. I picked Jonathan Brooks, who scored 36. Um, so again, just a rough week overall, but I think you, like you said, you're taking some shots this week that I think could really pay off for you uh, this week and, pro- and get you back into, I think, overall updating here. Yeah, season total, you have 935. I have 1,034. So, but we're Yeah, good. so about a, about a 100-point deficit there. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can chip away at that. Yeah, I mean, you you were forty five points behind to start the start the year, and then you got it back within ten. So I think I think mm-hmm. again, there's pl- plenty of opportunity for you to get back in there. Anyway, let's close this out. Really appreciate all of you guys out there listening. This is another fun week. Really appreciate the great questions you guys brought to us. A lot of great discussion. I think this week again, we had plenty of disagreements this week, but we are willing to concede different points here and there. Justin, before we get out of here, man, I do want to throw it over to you again. Obviously, you got the waiver wires. You got the um, kind of the um, weekly your, recap. Yep. Your, your weekly recap articles out there as well. Anything else that people can look forward to over the next couple of weeks, potentially? Yeah, well, definitely those two articles. Those are weekly staples. I am toying with the idea of writing something about Tyler Brown, the Clemson wide receiver. Again, whenever you have these freshman breakouts, it's kind of an exciting thing to sort of speculate about. Uh, so as we've mentioned here, yeah, I do these random one-offs about various different players. I did one on LJ Martin not that long ago. Uh, so, you know, in addition to sort of these weekly staples, I do these random articles as well. I do some DFS stuff occasionally. You can find it at volumepigs.com and at Campus to Canton. Uh, yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at volumepigs. Yeah, and again, Justin does great work. Go make sure you check out all of his stuff and go check out the rest of the stuff we have going on over at campusdecanton.com. Got great articles every week. I've been doing the waiver wire article pretty much every other week. And then we have a guest usually do the other weeks. Nate Marquise has been doing a great series of articles. He calls Pulse of the CFF Nation, where he goes through and really kind of starts pointing out a lot of very interesting statistics that kind of fly under the radar a lot of times. I find them super fascinating articles every single week, so definitely go check all that out. And then, of course, make sure you tune back in on Monday mornings for the full waiver wire show where I break down five quarterbacks, five running backs, five wide receivers, and two tight ends typically, or two to three tight ends typically every week. So plenty of options for all types of leagues every single week. But until then, we got a great week of college football ahead of us. Hopefully, we can all get through these bye weeks relatively unscathed over the next couple of weeks. Again, it's definitely going to be rough in a couple of leagues, but we will all make it. Until then, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, Justin. Hope you guys all have a wonderful and fantastic weekend. See you guys on Monday.